Post Reports is supported by One Life from Bleecker Street. Based on a true story, Anthony Hopkins stars as a man who rescued hundreds of predominantly Jewish children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II. Only in theaters Friday. Spring is hopefully just around the corner, and that means it's time to clean out my closet. And I love doing that. It feels like a fresh start. I also feel like I'm doing something good because the clothes that don't fit me anymore or aren't my style or, let's face it, I never should have bought in the first place, I donate them. And I've always assumed that they went to people who could really use them or who would look a lot better in them. But I didn't really know what happened to the clothes once they left my closet. So the question about, well, then what happens to your clothes when you donate them, it's actually kind of tricky and it's pretty complicated. That's Allison Chu. She reports on climate solutions for The Post. And she says, yeah, it does happen the way I imagined it, sometimes. But actually, far less of, of the clothing that you donate ends up in, in that new home or, you know, goes to someone who really will use it and, and need it and, and want it. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Libby Casey. It's Friday, March 3rd. Today, Allison talks with Alahe Azadi about where our clothing donations really go, the best times of year to donate, and how to make sure clothing actually gets reused. Where do most people donate their clothes? And then what happens to those clothes once they are donated to those places? Right. So, um, you know, it can, it can go to Goodwill and go to any organization similar to Goodwill. A lot of people will also donate to maybe some more local organization. Right. So maybe like a local thrift store or even like a church or a... Um, like a, a community organization community or something. Organization. I've done that before. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, you know, there are some places that will take only specific types of items. So like there are clothing drives for um, people who need prom dresses or people who need workwear or suits. So those are all sort of different options that are available. If we're talking about sort of large scale donation places, you know, for many people, goodwill comes to mind. Um, And with their system, you know, the clothes come in, they're sorted, and they can basically go either into what's deemed as um, suitable for retail, basically. Mm. And that means that it either ends up in the Goodwill brick-and-mortar thrift stores or on their e-commerce platforms. And then that's about half of the clothing donations that come in that they can be deemed suitable for retail. And the other half, you know, they'll either go to sort of a, you know, bulk retailer, basically. So that's where you can buy these items at a much lower cost and then... The other option is is these uh, salvage dealers, and that's basically like the rag trade. Oh. So not not for wear anymore. So like the clothes are sort of ripped up and used for other purposes? Exactly. Yeah, repurposed. They're basically reused and, and most commonly turned into rags, basically. Mm. Clothes can also end up, unfortunately, shipped overseas where they could create a problem for the local communities in the countries that are there, either economically because um, sales of this cheaper bulk clothing might compete with local merchants or textile industries, or it become a solid waste problem, meaning it ends up in landfills or incinerated. Yeah, so how do clothes end up in a landfill? Like, what makes them unsuitable for any use at all? 
Yeah, great question. So um, when it comes to good, people will just like give away clothes and not think twice. I feel like <laughs> right, exactly. So um, at least in the case of Goodwill, they they will throw away immediately anything that comes to them wet or soiled, and mm-hmm. that's largely obviously for hygiene and safety purposes. Sounds gross, <laughs> right? So that that makes sense. And so you know, if we're thinking about how we donate, very clear rule of thumb is make sure you're not giving something that is wet or soiled, you know, your garments should be cleaned. If you're able to repair some minor damages on them, definitely do that too. But Goodwill will take things that are, you know, ripped or, or whatnot, and maybe it will go to the the salvage dealers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And clothes that end up in thrift stores or are resold, what, what, what happens with that money? Like they're selling that to get money for their organizations? Right. So typically the money is then used to fund, you know, their their community programs and and their operations. Um, you know, in the in the case of Goodwill, it'll go to their workforce development programs and and their community outreach and, and that type of thing. So mm-hmm. the money is going to to important efforts and yeah. initiatives. Yeah. And how ma- many of these clothes like go to people who are just needing clothes? Is that a common outcome or a lot of clothes are just resold and and are that money is used to raise. I don't have exact numbers okay. on that. There is some thought that, you know, if you if you donate to a more local community organization, those clothes will probably go directly to people in need and potentially has a better chance of of that happening. But it it really kind of depends on the organization they're going to. After the break, Allison gives Alahe a few pointers on how to donate clothes properly. We'll be right back. Post Reports is supported by One Life from Bleecker Street. Based on a true story, Anthony Hopkins stars as a man who rescued hundreds of predominantly Jewish children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II. Only in theaters Friday. Okay, so Allison, if I'm looking at my clothes, what should be some questions I ask myself about the state that they're in? Yeah. (laughs) And like the types of items that I have. Yeah, there are some really simple um, best practices to follow when it comes to those sort of things. So overarching, just be thoughtful about your donations. And that means, you know, making sure that your clothes are in the best condition possible. So they should be clean. They should be free of of pet hair or lint. Check the pockets. If there's anything Mm. inside, empty those out. If you have any rips or maybe it's a little damaged or missing a button, you can mend that at home and then donate, you know, the the repaired item. Mm -hmm. And then how should I go about figuring out where to donate my clothes once Um, I've decided that they're in, they're in good enough shape. <laughs> yeah, very very much an individual decision, right? It depends on what is maybe available to you, what what causes you want to support. There are online resources. You can go to places like Charity Watch or Charity Navigator. The Better Business Bureau has a website as well and basically all all sort of have the similar function of they evaluate charities, they give you information about how they operate. And so that's just a good, you know, resource that you could use if you really wanted to learn more about the different charities at your disposal. If you have maybe um, specialty items like like an old prom dress or formal wear or 
workwear and suits, you can look for organizations that specialize in in asking for those items. Um, and you know those those are easily searchable online as well. I have to ask you also, what's the deal with those? I don't know if they're common in a lot of American cities, but I feel like in places that I've lived or traveled, there will be these like big like steel donation boxes mm-hmm. on the corner where you just like dump clothes in. And sometimes I'm like, I don't really know where this is going, but it seems like the right idea. What What's the story with those? Yeah, those those boxes do exist. Again, it comes down to uh, looking up the organizations that are behind the boxes. Right? And not just dumping your clothes. Right, right. So you want to, you know, if, if you see a name on the box and you're kind of curious about it, definitely look that up. Take a look at, see if they're listed on any of these um, evaluation sites. Take a look at the information there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, right, if, if, if you are really worried, sometimes the best thing you do is you should drop your donations off in person and talk to the people that you're dropping it off to. What about when to donate clothing? Like, are there some times of year that are better to donate than others? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually helpful, I think, for the organization that you're donating to if you are thinking about whether what you're donating is seasonally appropriate. Mm. So a really great example is, you know, a lot of people will get rid of their winter wear in the summer because they don't, you know, they don't need it anymore. Maybe they're cleaning it out. That's actually probably not helpful because people aren't looking for that type of clothing in the summertime. So if you do have that, you know, hold on to it for mm. winter when winter or fall rolls around and and donate it then. So maybe there's a better chance that it's useful yeah. to someone in that period. Something interesting that I also learned while I was reporting this in terms of timing is just donating a bunch of clothes um, after disasters that happen, not actually that helpful in a lot of cases. Really? Yeah, and and, and that surprised me because I think there, I was sort of in the sense of, well, in a post-disaster situation, anything helps. And I was talking to a, a researcher about this and he brought this point up to me, and which was basically that when you're when you're donating a bunch of clothing to these places that have experienced natural disasters or something something along those lines, the organizations that are on the ground might not have the resources to sort all those donations to make them suitable for the people in need. And so you should really, you know, think about, okay, is is there a reputable organization on the ground that's actually asking for clothes? And are they asking for specific types of clothing? You know, do they just want socks? Do they just want clean underwear? And then maybe you can go and donate that versus gathering all your old clothes. Maybe you have, like, you've thrown in that, like, sparkly top that you wore. You're like, going out top. You're, right, you're going out top. <laughs> like, that is probably not going right. to be helpful to someone, you know, in, in a disaster zone. Right. So it's thinking through those types of of implications. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Allison, I feel like what I'm taking away from this conversation is (laughs) like, I should stop thinking like, oh, one man's trash is another man's treasure or just always having this assumption that, well, I have this good intention. Like, surely the good intention is good enough and I'm following through and that it actually requires me to take some additional steps because if I don't, then it's ranges from unhelpful to actually like kind of a problem (laughs) for the people who are getting these donations. Am I right in sort of feeling that way or thinking that way? Yeah. And I think it's great that you highlight that all of these actions are well-intentioned and that's maybe why 
donation has become such a popular way to deal with clothes that you don't want anymore. And the message is like not to stop donating. That's definitely not what these experts are saying at all. But it's really just, can we donate more thoughtfully? Mm. Um, And that would then, you know, potentially address some of these unintended consequences that come from, you know, not really thinking too hard about all the things that you're throwing in your donate pile and then, you know, sending that off. Allison, do you have any advice on the best ways to get yourself to donate clothes? Like, I'll have a box of clothes in the trunk of my car for months, and I don't actually get around to donating it. Do you have any, like, tips or pieces of advice? Donation isn't the only way to extend Mm. the lifespan of something. You can think about um, clothing swaps or, or resale, you know, people— Clothing swaps are like all the rage now, and it's actually a super environmentally friendly way Mm. to give your clothes a second life. And in that situation, you know, you are directly involved in the process of seeing your piece of clothing go to a friend or a family member and knowing that, you know, they're going to use it because they they took it from you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there are some other options as well if, if, you know, you're not feeling donation. Allison, in reporting this story and also all of the feedback that you're hearing from people— has it changed your perspective and relationship to your clothes? Absolutely. It it really has made me think a lot about what I buy and, and how I buy it. And I definitely was in the camp of not donating things that are, are gross and bad, but but really not thinking too hard about the things that I was donating. And, you know, just this past month as I was looking through my closet and thinking about donations— I was thinking about the things that I reported on and, and trying to decide, okay, you know, is that promotional volleyball league t-shirt that I'm never going to wear again, is that something that I should put in a donate pile? Like, no, that's probably something that I should repurpose at home, turn it into a rag, extend the lifespan that way. And and now I think I'm really thinking more about, okay, do I really need this item? You know, one of the people that I talked to had a great example of you know, when we're thinking about buying clothes, it should actually be similar to thinking about like entering a marriage. The idea of like being in a long-term commitment with the thing that you're buying and thinking about, okay, I'm buying it, but how am I going to interact with it? How am I going to use it? How am I going to take care of it? And then what will I do with it at the the quote-unquote end of its life? And so that I've sort of tried to apply that thinking to like my shopping and being like, okay, I'm looking at this, these pair of pants, right? Like how am I? What if you're afraid of commitment? <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who has a who's really, who has a hard time making serious decisions, I, I, it, it's been very hard because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I really like it, but like, will I, will I, will I use it as much as I can use it? Will I really love it once yeah. I have it? There's all these questions. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you so much for bringing your reporting to us. And I will definitely be thinking about this probably for years to come as I sort through my clothes. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Allison Chu is a climate solutions reporter for The Post. She spoke with my colleague, Alahe Azadi. Sabi Robinson produced this story. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman and Lucy Perkins. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Alahe Izadi, Lucy Perkins, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Svernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. 
I'm Libby Casey. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Post Reports is supported by One Life from Bleecker Street. Based on a true story that touched the world, Anthony Hopkins stars as Nicholas Winton, a man who helped rescue hundreds of predominantly Jewish children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II. Fifty years later, he's haunted by the fate of those he couldn't save. He's unexpectedly celebrated on national British TV by many of those he rescued. Variety calls One Life a testament to the power of good, now playing only in theaters.